Welcome to Speaking of Strong Style, where we cover all the news, reviews, and events covering New Japan Pro Wrestling. My name is Jeremy Feinstone, and with me, not as always, is Justin Nipper in lieu of our own Stephen Conway, who is in parts unknown this week. But fear not, Justin is an expert with NOAA Global Pro Wrestling, New Japan Pro Wrestling, all wrestling in general, a historian, a gentleman. Thank you. Basically a great man altogether wow, to have you. this week. Absolutely, absolutely. Great man altogether this week as we preview uh, Wrestle Kingdom 2 in... Wrestle Kingdom 17 2 in Yokohama, which is a, uh invasion event between Noah and New Japan Pro Wrestling. Justin, how are you this week? I'm good. I'm excited from that uh, the super cool uh, graphic intro that you got going. Right? The fight. I love... Is that the guy that they do the F4W ones too? Yeah, yeah, nice. we got we That's got cool. uh, we got the guy Garrett. Garrett uh, made him feel really really good, and then the guy came back and you know made us look really really good. That's great. Yeah, <laughs> and, no, it, uh, really it, excited it, about uh, some of the glam ups that we get for for this thing. Also, I did not fail to mention that you are a host of Write That Down with Fumi Saito, right, which is a lot of historical uh, recaps regarding Japanese wrestling so thank you for coming today (laughs) i i I was just talking to fumi about it and it was i think we're i don't know how many episodes but close to 100 you have to be i remember i'm I'm cutting some of these sometimes and it just feels like you guys are just pumping out these episodes and sometimes you have classic stuff when you know the the event is is relative you know anoki stuff uh but you guys are constantly coming out with new material you came out with you know the the end of the year, all the events that happened in Japan the past week. Uh, Talk about that if you want. Oh, the, uh, the, we did a episode a couple weeks ago and Fumi told us about some of the events that he actually got to go to. He went to the stardom event and he went to all Japan event and he saw, you know, the big events like Noah Budokan and Wrestle Kingdom and Tokyo Dome. Um, Yeah. We talked all about those exciting events. At the two main weeks in Japan that are super busy with shows and action is always the first week of January and usually around Golden Week, like last week of April, first week of May. Uh, usually everybody has time off. So suddenly Tokyo becomes just this haven, this mecca for live pro wrestling. Two shows a day at Korokin sometimes. All kinds of stuff to do. So if you are a fan of pro wrestling and in pro wrestling in Japan, those are the times absolutely to go and visit because it'll meet lots of cool fans, uh, domestic and international alike. And uh, it'll be really fun. Often I am legitimately thinking about going to Japan next year for this whole new year through what would be my birthday on January 6th and kind of, you know, mark that as an excuse to do it uh, and talk the wife into it. So uh, it, it seems to be a new addition to the bucket list the more and more that I uh, immerse myself in the Japanese culture about pro wrestling. Well, being on the West Coast, you have an advantage too because you're going to get some of the best flights coming out of the U.S. Yes. Um, sometimes you keep your uh, Google Alerts tracker on some flights or dates of your choice, and sometimes you might get these random uh, dips in prices where it dips like half a pr- like half the price from twelve hundred to six hundred dollars round trip, but only for you know three random days. 
So that's, that's what I'm talking about. That's the kind yeah. of deal that I'm looking for. You have to be active. You have to be active and kind of aggressive about it. You have to be daily looking because these deals come out of nowhere. I don't understand how the um, pricing airline pricing system works. It's always, it's like a, a giant mystery. Uh, I, after the last couple months of watching airlines do airline things, I don't understand a whole lot of things about yeah. what airlines are doing. So, uh, yeah, as we fly along to another topic, why don't we hit up a quick backstory on Noah wrestling? Uh, okay. as a, uh, stateside representative, you are, pretty deep into Noah pro wrestling stuff that you can talk about stuff that you can't talk about. Let's just say that, you know, your stuff. Um, what is, how long has Noah been around? What are the key points to take away about Noah in relation to new Japan pro wrestling and uh, any key takeaways as we go forward to keep in mind, as we talk about this show. Well, Noah has been around for 22 years, although everybody, most people know that Noah was it branched off from All Japan Pro Wrestling after the passing of Giant Baba in 1999, 2000. First show is in 2000. So, yeah, 22 years going on 23 this year. Mitsuharu Misawa was founder, president of it until he passed in 2009. And as far as uh, like a relationship between New Japan and Noah goes, there's never been anything, you know, completely. Uh, there have been some times over the years where there have been direct relationships. I don't, Jeremy, do you remember? I guess it's maybe like five or six years ago now, but when Suzuki Goon basically invaded and stayed in Noah for, I think, like a year. Do you remember that? I do, like 2016? 2016. It was, this was the Suzuki Goon with Suzuki, Davy Boy Smith, uh, Lance Archer, Shelton, X Benjamin, Kanemaru, maybe some others. But it was uh, it was that initial Suzuki goon, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. I've done I've done a little bit of background into that, and I remember that a little bit. Uh, kind of where the TMDK is coming coming from now, right? Right. Is, is all based off of that kind of era and and moment in time. I actually was at the Tokyo Dome when this relationship was still in place, and there was a six man match. I think it was Suzuki Goon versus TMDK and Marfuji. Uh, this is like 2015, something like that. It, that and it was right that that was just about near the end of TMDK's time before they headed into WWE. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Um, that was when I forget the name of the company that owned Noah at the time, but um, yeah, there was a, a deal between New Japan and Noah. I think the next year, Marufuji and Nakajima were in the G1 in 2016. This is a more fresh faced Katsuhiko Nakajima. Uh, not who we, not exactly who we see today, but the, the talent was still the bones there. were there. Like what, what was going to be the fully formed Nakajima? And uh, that's what Marufuji also has victory over Okada in that G one. I remember. That's right. That's right. That those are always you know uh, champion, champions. They they do drop um, a couple of these bouts. Like I think it's like something evil has built his career on he's always beat guys like okada in those tournaments and he'll always hold these tournament wins over champions and get these matches despite whether people love him or hate him he does have the the uh earned wins throughout his career in those tournaments so tournament wins are always something exciting and interesting to keep an eye on because they sometimes play out later and stories years later um yeah oh also today, another connection between Noah and New Japan is 
this, I don't know how tight or loose you call it, but the Asahi TV connection. Mm -hmm. So Pro Wrestling Noah, like I said, it's had a, a different owners over the years and it had quite a few different management shifts in the past five, six years, especially, but it's now owned by, there's a big IT ads company, cyber agent. It's a big uh, Asian IT company. And that company opened or created an umbrella wrestling group called cyber fight, which pro wrestling Noah, as of two years ago, has been under that umbrella and it's a brand or division of cyber fight. So cyber fight also has DDT and Tokyo Joshi pro and Gumbari pro and lots of supplemental like DDT or Noah TJPW stars on their streaming service, wrestle universe. So you can, if you want to see somebody like Konoisuke Takeshita who is on AEW and you want to see his match, but just his match from AEW, you can usually see those on the cyber fight app, wrestle universe. So and what, what I was getting to is the connection between Noah and New Japan was that TV Asahi. TV Asahi owns New Japan. They own part of New Japan. Okay. Uh, Cyberfight produces Noah, and the TV show is produced by Abema TV. It's a, digi- a newer digital TV platform that is owned by Cyber Agent, but 15% of it is also owned by TV Asahi. Okay, so they have a they have they have blood, they have they have a stake in it. They have a stake in Abama, which produces is the main producer of noise television and visual. All the cool visual stuff you've seen over the years with the uh, Cyber Agent mm-hmm. takeover. Um, that's Abama's production. They do amazing, amazing job. They also do Rising, the MMA promotion in Japan. It's that's also connected and produced by Abama. Mm-hmm. So similar teams are are taking care of that, but um. Yeah, that Abema uh, production uh, or connection, that's a, a current tie that the companies have together because during these times around New Year's when it's big for wrestling shows, um, Abema wants to show pro wrestling, but it has access to you know two companies. So it's a unique situation. So there's an opportunity to exploit, you know, the the business relation there for, you know, Mutual assurance success. So there are more you, win-win me, options instead of win-lose options for one hundred percent. Let me ask you: Last year, the Wrestle Kingdom event was exclusive to Abama for a week. Is mm-hmm. that correct? Mm-hmm. And now this year, the Wrestle Kingdom one will be exclusive to the New Japan World, or is it going to be on Abama as well? As far as the Wrestle Kingdom, the Wrestle Kingdom show goes, I. Don't know the release schedule. I, I know it's going to be on Abema. I know I know it's going to be pay for a week on the twenty seventh, or is the window of time before the pay schedule ends, and then I believe that they're going to release it after that, a week or ten days after the event has ended. So, so I don't have the details on on New Japan's. It's officially a New Japan production, so I don't know the exact details of it, but I know that the show the next day at Yokohama Arena, the January 22nd show with mm-hmm. Muta and Sting and Darby Allen, that will be available on both Abema and in English on Fight TV. Interesting. Which so, I don't think Wrestle Kingdom 17 Yokohama will be available on Fight TV. I don't believe so. I think it is the next one. Yeah, it's the the next one. So they might be going back and forth if they keep doing this, where 
they alternate the services to see which one, or maybe they decide that they want to do it on New Japan World now that they have um, a more stable pay-per-view system because they're doing it the same way that they did the historic X over where you actually mm-hmm. have to pay extra within. And so I think it comes out to about 29.50 is what they explained it to be in the conversion rate. I was just curious. I was looking at the Wrestle Universe site and I couldn't find it in the, like in an option in the Wrestle Universe. So I was curious if the show that we were going to watch was how it was going to be distributed now that you had brought up the Abema. Cause uh, they had great production value when I watched the new year show. Uh, the 2023 New Year show, and uh, used it for context in the preview that we're doing. Uh, I be- so I I believe I there could be either changes to it, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure. But basically, Abam is going to have the Japanese commentary, and the Japanese version of the show won't be available immediately. Got it. Unless you want to watch or pay for it on Abema in Japan, here in the states or overseas. Fight TV is an option, and I believe Wrestle Universe will be an option in English only. No Japanese option immediately. Interesting. And I, yeah, I believe that is the deal. So there are but, plenty of ways to watch it if, if you are yes. so inclined. But it, like, uh, there there are a lot of uh, hands in the pot, so there are a lot of different options. <laughs> it, it, it depends on the. I don't know. I, it, I I can't speak for the New Japan side, but I know that. No other main options will be Wrestling Universe and Fight TV. Okay. For January 22nd. For January 21st, I don't know. And I would recommend getting Wrestling Universe for all of these because if you were looking for context going into this show, uh, the New Year was a fantastic show to figure out who the people were, what their motivation were going into this preview that we're going to do why people are interested and feuding with who they are and uh, the directive. So Justin, this was quite the journey to get to where we were on this, uh, on this feud. And it kind of started Wrestle Kingdom. Mm-hmm. I mean, we could always say that it started last year too. Yeah. With the, uh, the declaration. Uh, Noah, Noah had a formal, I guess, invasion or both, the Noah army and Congo mm-hmm. attended in separate suits, but they attended and there was last year's fights. And last year there was a team match between Naito and, uh, excuse me, Los Ingenopolis and Congo and Los Ingos won. They, they took the victory and that was it. And, and it, was, it was a five on five, right? It was five on five. Yeah. And, Kano didn't say anything afterwards. Kano didn't say he didn't say anything to press or media, and, and Naito made made a note of that, and he announced it just at the last backstage invasion at Wrestle Kingdom well, a couple weeks ago now, where Congo walked in uh, after Lij's match and confronted him, and a year later, Kano was ready to address Naito and Lij about all of this business about. Not having a, uh, it, it wasn't the end of the fight between Kano and Naito and Lij and Congo, and he offered instead of a team match, a singles series match. Instead of a five on five match, it was five singles matches between members of Lij and Congo. And in addition to all of that, after that was accepted, there was a whole Noah versus uh, New Japan card made up. Yes. With 
some matches out of the LIJ Noah feud. There's more exhibition matches, dream matches, and some follow-ups to like last year's matches. You know, between what is it? It's a Kazuchika Okada and Togi Makabe versus uh, Kaito Kiyomiya, and I forget his part. Oh, it's going to be Yoshiki Inamura, I think. Oh, uh, yeah, I got that for you right now. Uh, Inamura, yeah, Yoshiki. Inamura. That's right. So, you know, Kiyomiya and Okada definitely have and will have their that one's going to be interesting. Big brother, little brother rivalry. There, there's some energy there that uh, that that indicates to me that Kiyomiya is incredibly motivated to get one over on Okada this year. But, uh, but we will get to that one. You know what I thought was really interesting about the build uh, between this year and last year is some of the dance partners that we had in this week of the New Year's. So you had Muda in the match with Shinsuke Nakamura at the New Year, which took top billing over Kino and uh, Kaido Kiyomura, and, and he lost. And so there is almost a sense of, I got to save face. And at the same time, you have Muda, who just headlined and took some of the spotlight from his main event, often having a match with Naito over in Wrestle Kingdom. So he's got, he's got rage at Muda. He's got rage at Naito. He's got rage at all these guys. It's like, you know what? I'm going over to, I'm going over there to the Tokyo Dome and we're going to have work. So there are times when evasion angles don't feel like the roots have taken place or that there are, or just kind of feel shoehorned together. But if you really stop and think about how they kind of laid out all these cards uh, in the past week or two, even dating back to uh, last year's Wrestle Kingdom uh, event between the two, they laid it down so that they had a clear defined plan of the direction they wanted to go. And I think, they have a clear defined plan about where they want to go when this event is over. And we're just in the midst of, of rolling out a carefully executed blueprint. I mean, with, with, especially with LIJ and Congo, there's a little bit of, there's more looseness to it. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to explain it. I mean, there, there, of course there's direction and everything, but um, how we get to this point is I would say genuinely unpredictable um, because a lot of things come up in a, a fluid, uh, less planned way than some of it's like they're uh, compared with New Japan. Each other. <laughs> like they're just well, vibing I, each other on how to, how to escalate. <laughs> I don't know if you saw the footage of today slash yesterday. Oh, so, so, so what happened was if anybody uh, isn't familiar, there well, let's a, get there. Let's get there. Show. We'll talk about, okay, we'll talk we'll about the there. press conference and then we'll, oh, okay, we'll, yeah. we'll go through the, we'll, we'll go chronologically through the of that kind of got to this point. So they do the confrontation. And then the next day we have the press conference. Yeah. Oh, okay. This was, uh, it wasn't, was it the next day? Yeah. Like later that week. The, day, the next day of the day. It was very immediately. I thought so it was the emergency meeting because of what happened at wrestle kingdom, LIJ Congo side-by-side -side kind of press conference um, where they announced the matches for January 21st. So, uh, we're going to get Tadasuke Ibushi. We're going to get Hajime Ohara from Congo and Noah versus Hiromu Takahashi. So there's two junior heavyweight matches up front. Uh, former partners, Sanada and Marabu Soya, former tag team partners, will face off. 
Katsuhiko Nakajima and Shingo Takagi, which everybody's very excited for, it sounds like. And I am, I am excited for that one personally. Yes, me too. And of course, Naito and, and Kano will main event. And at the press conference, Kano got really fed up by the end of it. He, he yelled at Hiromu Takahashi for messing around. He said, I, I've come here for a fight, not a farce. And then he ordered he and the rest of Congo out of the press conference area. And that was that. You could tell uh, Kano is quite fiery. Hiromu is giving him the stink eye. Uh, Naito is completely freezing him out. And I don't know how many people catch this, but when you really ignore somebody or, or don't give them the right to exist, you deny their existence like that, that's the ultimate disrespect is, you know, you want somebody to look you in the eye and tell you something. And when you're not doing that, it's complete. you're taking face away from somebody. This is why Kano, true martial artist, 23-year-old uh, Kempo champion, youngest Kempo champion at the time, he, he does not like that. That is complete disrespect on his part, on Naito's part. Throw over a table on Naito. <laughs> yeah. He knocked his chair over. He yelled at him. He's, he's charismatic. Even if you don't understand uh, Japanese, he's charismatic he, enough. He drove that press conference 100%. Like, it was his performance that created the intensity. All Naito had to do was sit there and not acknowledge him. And it just, it, it pissed him off even more. You can you can see a mile away where you feel like this is going. Uh, and I'm here for it. Because this is two very intense factions that are approaching this. What feels like true to form, uh, there is an intensity and like a hunger in uh, Congo versus like, you know, the Tranquilo, we're just going to do what we do with LIJ and we'll run through you. Don't worry about it. We got this because that's what we do. Uh, and it is, it is escalating in a way that, like I said, uh, they're almost vibing with each other because the unpredictability of how that they're feuding with each other. You don't see wrestlers in Japan going to other like promotion shows and invading in the crowd and doing merch, but sure seems like that's uh that's the way to get a reaction in this feud. Hmm. Uh it's I think it's just interesting. It's also backs this idea of Kano not accepting the fact that you know he might be viewed as number two. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is the idea, of course, behind you know New Japan and Noah. Business-wise, New Japan uh, has more money, and a lot of people find it more successful. And in many ways, it is. But that's the internal fight that Keno is trying to amplify and bring to the feud. Is that you know, if I'm an underdog, I'm going all the way. So that's where Congo is coming from. The outsiders, especially. Guys who never, they weren't born into, there's no nepotism involved. They didn't necessarily have the easiest time at the dojo. Kind of outsiders in their own life and even outsiders when they come into the world of wrestling. Kongo has that feeling just like Ishingun and Ricky Choshu had in the day and later NWO and so on. But that feeling of that Jado going off the beaten path, the evil way. Both LIJ and Congo have those elements to it. I think LIJ is much more stylish, much cooler to a lot of people, especially young people, because of their look, their aesthetic. They look like 
superstars and fast forwarding a little bit to last night when they came to the Noah show, people's reactions were just, yeah. So last night uh, uh, in near Fuji, Mount Fuji area, Shizuoka, there was a Noah show and towards the end of the show, LIJ showed up all together. They walked in and they went straight to the merchandise table and bought a Congo shirt and they asked Kano to sign it. And Naito was mock shaking. He was shaking because he was so nervous to meet the star Kano, which has been, I mean, LIJ has just thrown shade all throughout this, this angle so far. That's, that's what it is. Like we want to get autographs from this big star, all the big stars. They even made Tadasuke come out from backstage and sign the shirt as well. Uh, Kano was upset that they did arrive though. And he made sure that they, he wanted to make sure that they bought tickets. I don't think they bought tickets. He was very upset with that. He did give them the, <laughs> the official escort out. He gave them the official thank you. Uh, Congo will be leaving uh, shortly, so thank you very much for coming today. You know, please get out. Just like the staff says, he did that to them too. A little heated, man. I don't know how to explain this other than this really sounds like a funny, funny uh, argument or tiff between junior high school sports teams. It's trolling. It's just trolling. Each trolling each other. And um, I mean, it, it's stupid in, in a good way, in a fun way. But at the same time, you're also getting, you're getting like a ground, well, like a, like a ground root kind of reaction. This isn't how they typically promote a match in Japan. This isn't how they promote a feud in Japan. They're doing something different. They're taking advantage of the fact that it's two different promotions and like, having them come in there and giving the people who are at these shows something a little bit different, you know, is, is the door, is the sales of the door for the next few shows going to be a little bit more pumped because they think that people are going to show up that uh, weren't built on the card. Yeah, maybe, but this kind of thing gets interest. It gets people talking. We're talking about it how they get people interested in this new wrestle kingdom has to be something other than just like, Oh, we're going to put this guy and this guy in a match and hopefully you'll show up and watch, you know, you, you had to create something a bit more organic with how this feud is. And this feels organic. This feels like you have uh, wrestlers that are in their element doing what they do, but doing it outside of a promotion. You got the, you had the Noah guys that uh, Congo show up at Wrestle Kingdom. Now you have the LIJ guys show up at one of their shows, you know, because this for that, you had the press conference. I don't think we're going to have any more, you know, uh, invasions between shows, but for what it was, this was exactly how they should have built this show. Make you feel like something's different. As much as things are exactly the same, make it feel like you're getting something a little bit different from what you've been seeing for the last three or four months of uh, Japanese wrestling. It wasn't over the top either. It was just no. a, if you, I mean, Sonata was dressed to the nines. Everybody was all dressed up. They just kind of moseyed in after the show. Everyone was shocked. If you can see in this picture right here, everybody's got their phones out. You can hear everybody on the video going, eh? Really? Eh? <laughs> They're just shocked. And it, like you said, it's not, it, it's not, there's no attack. There's no, you don't need to, you know, attack an authority figure or something or, or do a run in. They just showed up and cracked jokes and made fun of Congo and Congo made fun 100%. of them. And that's sometimes that's all you need to do. I mean, and it's also, it matches, it? it matches their um, character, you know, Naito, 
Takahashi, they're all about the tranquilo. They're they're not these uh, you know big jock types that you get doing big jock stuff. That's okay. Yeah. No, this is, this is gonna they be, got their own style. This is going to be athletic performances and, and people legitimately wanting to one-up each other rather than just power mm. move, power move, power move, and three minutes and you're done. This is not This is not going to be that kind of wrestling. This is, this is going to be ego performance-driven stuff of people really wanting to hone their craft against people they don't get an opportunity to do that with from time to time to time. So I think we're, we're legitimately in for a treat. Uh, and my, my interest has definitely been peaked by how you built it. It's like they're saying, show us who is the best. And I'm not talking about winning or losing. Show us the best. Who's Mm -hmm. got the best stuff? Show us the best stuff. And show us whose fans are more passionate about this company or that company. I mean, Jesus, some of the Japanese comments I saw on Noah's page from, or or from like the New Japan fans about Noah's entry into this Wrestle Kingdom. I remember something is like, I wish I bought tickets before I knew Kano was on the show. I hate Congo. I want to return my ticket. Like it's, there's, it's a strong uh, rivalry. And I don't want to say rivalry because it's, that's so clear cut. And there's so many not clear cut things on the show. There's a lot of non rivalry things on the show, but think about, I think it's really easy to interpret as two junior high school sports teams who will probably always have a school rivalry and there will just always be that natural competitiveness between the two. Not Nothing hatred, extreme. but just like, yeah, it's not like, a hatred thing, but it's just like an uneasiness. Like you just, it's never, it's never quite over. Some people take it to the hatred level and some don't, you know, Yankees and Red Sox. There's definitely hate there. I know that between, at least between the fans, but in real life, it's, it's, it's business. Just like this, it's a business. So uh, I'm excited to see, and I I wonder, but I know that the the show has pretty much uh, been announced. The next day's show, I don't know if we're going to see any spillover of New Japan on the Noah show. I don't think. I don't. I, no I, don't I think this is a one and done, and they might uh, they might go back to it in a couple of months. But I think they're they should probably let let the results simmer for a little while. Let whatever happens happen, and then like maybe some cataclysmic event to kind of start the next part of of the story. But, you know, let this be one and done. Let this just kind of go. They got they got Sting and Darby Allen the next night. Uh they don't need to they don't need to do anything further on that angle. Well I do know that earlier this week Kano did a little spot with Tokyo Sports. He invited all kinds of reporters, Tokyo Sports and other outlets to Naito's Mother and Father's Cafe. They own a cafe. That's right. <laughs> uh, he had them all meet there and he was studying up on Naito. He knows all about Tetsuya Naito and he studied really hard. And he said to the reporters, the first thing he said is, I don't usually come to such cheap restaurants or cheap establishments nice and he ordered uh, his coffee jelly and he got his drink and um he laid out that if congo wins this best five of five series i don't think it's best five of five it's five singles matches whoever wins the uh whoever gets the higher score wins if that does happen three of five if that does happen that means he would like lij to come to noah and join them for the year and they would trade back Satoshi Kojima, who he doesn't like, to New Japan. 
And if you watched uh, earlier this, or I guess last year now, Kano and Satoshi Kojima traded the GHC heavyweight title back and forth last year. So nice little dig at the bread man, mm-hmm. Satoshi Kojima, current heavyweight tag team champion with Sugira at the moment. Yeah, he, that's his... Uh, I, this isn't anything official. This is just Kano's proposal from his mouth. Five for one trade, LAJ for Kojima. So, hey... What can happen? I don't know. <laughs> I, that, that's what he would like. So you kind of you kind of pigeonhole it to to for me to kind of think. Well, I I thought Congo might win three of five in this one, or they win two of five, but the two that they beat are big deal wins. So we'll kind of go through. There's a draw in there. There could be draws in there. There too. could Who be knows? like we forget about the fact that one of these could go thirty minutes and. uh there's no decisive winner, but I think ultimately getting Naito into Noah for a show or two would probably be the best outcome out of, out of this and uh, would be my driving focus on how, uh, how I would see this event going is leading to that kind of end game. I'm excited. It's coming up. It's coming. I can't believe it was like, a couple days away now. Five days away. We uh, we're doing this a little early. I didn't realize that it was uh, five days away now. So I'm glad we're this felt going so far early. away. <laughs> I when we had like the Darby Allen and Sting announcement that was in October. I November. Feel like it just November happened. October. I feel like it just happened. I felt so far away, but it's yeah, it's coming. It here. was so long ago that there were people that legitimately did not know that Darby Allen was was part of this, and it was just a rumor. Oh. Like yeah, it just it, it mixed because it was in that churn of like that November news around Thanksgiving, and then all of a sudden people were like, "Oh man, Darby's in this match too." I'm like, "Yeah, Darby's in this match. It's gonna rip." So uh, for I, I know that you know uh, the card wasn't officially put together and and announced until recently. I think this week or like a two weeks ago, and also AEW has you know. For their reasons, they've limited the press on the match, and they've been. They, I think they started promoting it this week, but um, it's it's an overseas uh, gig. It'll be Darby's first time over there, and I think fans are going to really like seeing him. I don't know what they expect, but I think they'll be surprised with Darby's uh, I am super performance. Curious. I'm gonna be super curious about how he's received over there. He mm. could end up being looking like a huge star or people might not know what to make of him. I don't think that's going to happen. I think the I think people recognizing him for his talent will happen pretty quickly, if not immediately. So uh, that's my personal. It was a great get by Noah to have Sting and Darby both there for the Muna match. So uh, I'm, I'm just looking forward to it. It's just going to be fun. Mm. All right. So we have a preview to talk about, and we are going to start with the pre-matches on this one and we have Ryohei Oiwa and Kosei Fujita versus Yasutake Yano and Ozawa Taishi and uh, Taishi and Yano had a match with each other at the new year as their own as their version do they they have young lions what they don't have a name for but the I, I would call them the Noah rookies okay Nothing. Uh, I don't think there's an official title like New Japan has a Young Lions program, but uh, they, the since Cyber Agent Cyber Fight has gotten involved and in, in management has settled down and settled in, um, there's been a better opportunity to start farming new talent and have 
a dojo, have an active, uh, regular Noah dojo. I know that, you know, Differ Ariake, where the old dojo used to be and the old stadium used to be, or the venue, they were taken down before the Olympics because they were rebuilding. There's the new version now. Mm. So that area is finally the the offices, the dojo. Their dojo is back, active. And I think going forward, we'll see more talents like Yano and Ozawa coming out of the New Japan, excuse me, Noah Dojo. So uh, Yano is the smaller of the two, right? That's right, but more experienced. Right. So they had a match, and I believe he got the better of Ozawa at the New Year match they had with each other. But I'm kind of leaning towards the fact that these two have an advantage, uh, given that uh, Ryohei Oiwa and Kosei Fujita are not really on the same page right now with, I believe, look at Fujita that went to TMDK? One of the, I, I believe, Oiwa. Uh, I believe yeah. In, the, in this photo right here, it's the one with the, the guy who's missing the one side of his hair. Right. Right. So he is a the exclusive young lion for TMDK. And right. uh, I was not a whole lot stoked about this uh, for reasons that just professional rivalry, like, what, what's your deal here? Like, that's not how this is supposed to work. So I'm kind of looking to see a little bit of friction on that end and maybe something that uh, the Noah side can take advantage of before they move on with the next match. We'll see what happens. Right. <laughs> we have Oscar This is a good Lube. one. Yes. Yes. Masa Kitamaya and Daiki Inaba versus Oscar Luby and Tomohiro Ishii. The two guys I want to see get in the match with each other are Shii and Masa. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> Kitamiya, That's... Mr. Kitamiya. I, you know, I don't know if you're familiar, but Masa Kitamiya is the last disciple of Mr. Saito, Masa Saito. He was the last uh, you know, protege. There was a vibe about him when I was watching. It was like, there, this guy this guy has a vibe about him that just feels he was... like he's an old wrestler. He was Mr. Saito's boy. He was right before that's Saito cool. passed. Yeah, and that's why he he styles his uh, his pants, his long pants, after Mr. Saito. If you if you actually see pictures of him, maybe five six years ago, he had the shaggy hair, similar to how Masa Saito had it. So he's yeah, he is uh, he's the next coming. He's Mr. Kitamiya someday. And uh, Daiki Naba was in Wrestle One, but wow, he's one of the fellows that got snatched up when. Uh, Wrestle One folded, and some went to All Japan. Some went to Noah, like Seiki Oshoka, Daiki Naba. Also, great young talent. Don't hear issue. We all know. I'm not familiar with Oscar San. Is he from Australia? Is he from the from the I Australian dojo? He, I know he is. I believe he's from Eastern Europe. He was brought in about October, and he's only had a few Young Lion matches. Nothing of note. Uh, you know, I, I kind of I got him a little mixed up with Oleg Bolton. Uh, oh, that's who I was thinking of. Yeah, uh, it, this is not Oleg Bolton who made okay. his debut at the Wrestle Kingdom. So this guy, he showed up around September October. Uh, he was he was a disciple. Somebody I, I completely blanked on it. I apologize, but he is uh, he's been kind of in the background of uh, World Tag League and the Super Junior Tag League. So this is kind of his big his big place of prominence for the first time in a few months. So it's kind of an unproven ground for him. And we're going to see how he operates uh, with the uh, other side and with Ishii. I'm sure he's been training a lot with him because 
I haven't seen a whole lot of Ishii otherwise uh, in front of the camera, so I'm wondering what he's doing behind the camera. Now we have the main show. You ready for this one? Yes. Let's do this. That's right. a match. Star-studded. That is a match. So we have Kakashi Sigura, Satoshi Kojima, Toriyano, and Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Ghetto, El Fantasma, Kenta, and Naomichi Marafuji. So Sigura and Kojima are the GHC tag team champions. They actually had a match against Kenta and Naomi and Marafuji uh, on the New Year show, and they beat them, beat the Bullet Club Marafuji combo. And so we have come into this match with the GHC champions, Tanahashi and Toriano versus Ghetto, ELP, and these two. And it's kind of a grudge match. It, it, it makes sense from storyline-wise why, uh, why these four on four is happening. But this could really go either way. It could rekindle the, the tag team feud that they had, even though it was, a, uh, it was a pretty solid conclusion to their feud. Uh, but what do you think? How do you think this, uh, how do you think this is going to go? Who do you think is going to get the spotlight? What is, what is your take on this match? I would keep an eye out for anything involving Kenta and Sugiura. If you watch the last match that they had at Budokan, they had a nice exchange right up top. Um, great rivalry from over the years. It's funny in Japanese, Sugiura always refers to Kenta by his, you know, his his real name, his last name, his surname is Kobayashi, so he always calls him Kobayashi-san instead of Kenta, which is rather disrespectful considering how successful Kenta is. He still refers to him as his junior. So there's always that vibe too, where this guy, I think Sugira in his mind thinks this guy is never going to get one over on me. I'm, you know, I'm a year older or a grade ahead of him or something like that, that mentality. Keep an eye out for that. But also I think the big spotlight will be on Tanahashi. Like it always is because everybody wants to see Tanahashi square off with Marafuji. Okay. Everyone wants to see Tanahashi square off with Kenta in uh, that setting. I'll see. I mean, we'll see how Fantasmo and Yano pan out. I think we'll get some comedy from that end. Maybe Gato will get involved in that too. But uh, I think it is more of like a spotlight match. I don't think, you know, we'll see. I can see getting a lot of high spots from ELP. He'll be the high spots guy yeah. in, this, in this one for sure. Uh, getting the, the fast, quick reactions. Uh, before they slow it down with some of the other guys. So uh, if you go either way, I'm just, I, the more I see of ELP, the more I'm just a bigger fan of him. And when it comes to Kenta, I felt like he was wrestling differently when he came back from his injury after that horrific, like no disqualification match with Hiroshi Tanahashi last year at Wrestle Kingdom. And he came back for the G1 and he just, he was wrestling angry in a mm. way. And then he just kind of, I don't know. He figured out how to wrestle and just be potent again. So I'm really liking the Kenta that we're getting right now. I like the Kenta that is at all these different promotions and is just kind of becoming a versatile threat across wrestling as a whole. I think that I think that just makes wrestling more fun. Looking forward to this one. I am too. All right, we got Desperado and Yohei. Speaking of a match I'm looking forward to, <laughs> this is going to be fun. Yeah, uh, this will be good. It's, I mean, I think there'll be some other good junior matches between um, LIJ and Congo, but this mm -hmm. 
is, should be looked at as just right there with them in terms of quality. I think Desperado is probably hitting his peak point in his career right now. He's, I always thought he was a hell of a wrestler, but I mean, he's showing that he's a star wrestler these days. I like him a lot. And Yohei's, oh, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say, there, there feels like he is next stepping himself, kind mm. of. He's now out of Suzuki Goon, but he's with Minoru Suzuki and uh, Ren Narita and kind of a little trio of group. And there's something about his vibe right now. Like, I'm using the word vibe because I don't really know what other word to use. Where he's just coming off as cooler than he's been in a while. And mm. I don't know if that's just as a result of the matches that he's been in, some of the stuff he's been doing. But his aura is just stronger than it's been recently. And I feel like this is a match that's kind of under the radar, given the prominence of the other ones. And this is a real chance to deliver and surprise some people. Yeah, I think a lot of with Desperado, what I noticed was when he had a match, it was almost two years ago, I guess. Now it was that big, bigger or big-ish match he had with, Hiromu Takahashi for the junior heavyweight title. It's like towards the end of the year, maybe like two years ago. It was like his first real big chance. It was mm-hmm. they main evented one of the smaller shows, but from there you could really see him springboard into who he is now and the vibes that you say. I, I know what you're talking about though. He's there's some kind of confidence or, or yes. some, it's like uh you buy what he's selling, what he's putting out there. The the swagger of El Desperado yeah. is real when he's out there doing his thing. Like it just the presence is the presence is palpable and you just you feel like there's star power behind what he's doing and how he's presenting himself, which is not it's something that I feel like you can't really learn, you just kinda have. And he kinda has Or develop, yeah. Yes, yes. Yohei, on the other hand, he does have that kind of charisma, but it's way more it's a different kind of charisma than Desperado. It's mm-hmm. like fireworks. This dude is um he's He's colorful. He's flashy. Uh, How old graceful. is he? You know, I don't know, but is he he's a been around. Older? For, like thirty nine. He he's been around for a while though. He's not he's not a young dude. Okay, because I, I either they have the graphics and they give the age, and I was like, that dude is older than I thought he would be. Thirty four. Uh, okay, like he just he looks like he's just been around for a while, but there's something about him that like I look at him and I just. I kind of see Jeff Hardy. I was going to say the same thing. He comes from <laughs> Dragon Gate. He's a Dragon Gate trainee. He came from the Dragon Gate school. So, and Dragon Gate always has had a. I, they're one of the first promotions to have in what's inherit, but also cultivate their own kind of like the flashiness of lucha libre. Not yeah. just the wrestling. I'm talking about the the pageantry, like the the outfits and the gimmicks the pomp and, and the and the the pompadour and the kind of the the energy and and the colorfulness and the bombast yeah of being yes it, it's it's more bombastic than you would see in a lot of american wrestling it's just colorful and fun i think he has that vibe to him as well We're talking about yeah, vibes no, I, a lot i don't know how this would go i feel like I desperado is no i meant like just I, I know how it's gonna go. I, but oh, okay. If I'm gonna if I'm gonna guess, I feel like Desperado is the guy to do this. I will say I will say before I go any further on this, it was really interesting to me the number of people booked in singles matches that lost on the New Year show. Uh, there was a like Yohei lost his match, Alejandro lost their match. A lot of these people that are booked in these matches that we're gonna see is like I was expecting a lot of people to be winning and going over and then going into this 
uh, show, you know, as winter, but it, it felt like it was like a different vibe with how they're, they're trying to present these things because, you know, like maybe they want Yohei to be strong, but this Wrestle Kingdom is not their ultimate destination. It is a chapter stop. So all these things that are happening with the regular shows, you know, you need to stay the course on that. Although I was just watching it going in, not really knowing who won or lost all their matches, like all of Congo, they lost all their matches going in, like in going into this show. And it was like, if it were me just thinking about it, like I'd want Congo to go in strong, but that's the difference between how they book promotions in Japan versus the United States, because that would be the priority here. Whereas there is a different kind of mentality about how they're going about their business there. So I wanted to get that out there before I forgot, but I just thought it was super interesting uh, how they, how they went about uh, going into the Wrestle Kingdom show and who won and who lost the matches and where they went from there. Sorry. <laughs> no, we'll see. We'll see how it happens. Yohei has a lot of, it's different. He has even more female fans. He has a, a strong female fan base. So it, it brings a different flavor to the match. Desperado, I'm sure the ladies love him just as much, but he's he's more dark and mysterious and enigmatic, whereas Yohei is a party boy and likes to bring the high-flying action and wonderful Jeff Hardy-like colors and pizzazz. So, Desperado is the Japanese cowboy shit. <laughs> I guess so, right? A little bit. <laughs> I, I don't know who else would do that. Um, Taguchi? I don't know. That's uh, just Japanese <laughs> shit. Sometimes <laughs> no, it's just Taguchi shit. It's Taguchi. He, he's special. He's oh, great. speaking of Taguchi. All right. Yeah, <laughs> baby. Um, this okay, is another so got, interesting one. Yeah, we got Master Wado, Ryusuke Taguchi, and Tiger Masters is Alejandro Juta Miyakawa and Amakusa. Okay. Before we get any further, if you are planning on watching the New Year show, you need to make a point to watch Junta Miyakawa versus Amakusa. Because that was a right? hell of a match. Oh, okay. hell of a junior heavyweight. Uh, it was a junior that. heavyweight championship match, right? Yes. yes. Yeah. Uh, it was it was tremendous. And as I mentioned earlier, Alejandro was in another six-man match. It was nothing to do with it. But they have now partnered all the three of these junior heavyweights to go up against this veteran team, Midas Master Wado. A new fan of Tiger Mask, Ryusuke Taguchi, and Wado Zizet. So, this is going to be an interesting match. I think this is definitely a spotlight for the uh, GHC Junior Heavyweight because there was a lot of talent that needed to be in the eyes of a lot more people. So, this is a good opportunity for them to do so. Uh, Justin, in the past, we have been talking about, uh, Con Stephen Conway and myself, that this is probably going to be a big year for Master Watto. Uh, he really came into his own in the last six months when he was given the opportunity to step in for Kushida after the hand, foot, and mouth disease, and they flipped everything around in the Super Junior Tag League. He held up his own in the Wrestle Kingdom match, the four-way for the title that Hiromu won. It was a good match. It was, it, was, it was really good, and a lot of people were thinking that he was going to be the guy that wasn't going to be able to hold up his end of the bargain, and I don't think that's the case. So with him going forward... I think that he, there's going to be a spotlight on him and uh, working with the three guys on the other side, uh, Tiger Mask and Taguchi. You know what they offer in a match, but the real workhorse in this is going to be Watto. And I'm, I'm really curious to see what he has over there. Do you have any insight on the other three guys more than what I was talking about? 
Well, Mark says the current GHC junior heavyweight champion, he just, he used to be, this guy used to be in Congo. His name was Hao, H-A-O, and he had a mask. And he returned in September uh, without his mask uh, because he lost like a loser leaves Noah match. He came back as his, I guess, true self, Amaksa, and he immediately took the junior heavyweight title that's been kind of thrown around like a hot potato the last couple months. Um, him taking on Miyakawa. Miyakawa just got back from Mexico, but he wasn't working with the CMLL or anything. He was working on a lot of smaller independent hookups and promotions, places like IWRG and other promotions that I don't recall off the top of my head, but he was there for about six months and looked to have grinded something out because he came back and looked like a million bucks in this. He looked really good in that match with the Moxa yes. uh, at the Budokan. And I'm looking forward to see what he'll do with somebody like Watto. Yeah. And I, I think those, all three of these younger, well, uh, how Amaksa is not younger, but uh, the younger guys, it's good to have them work with guys like Taguchi and Tiger Mask. The, the, aside from Yoshinari Ogawa, there aren't too many like junior seniors, junior seniors, you know what I mean? Junior weight, junior heavyweight seniors to kind of learn from and, and gain experience from. It's a lot of young guys, so or outsider guys, so. Yeah, Tiger Mask has been has been doing work. He was in the Super Junior Tag League. Uh, with God, I forgot who he was partnered with, but I'm gonna beat myself up over that later. But he's been he's been doing some work. I don't know how much more work he's gonna be doing with New Japan in the foreseeable future because we got the uh, Fantastic Mania, and then we got the New Japan Cup, and we got a bunch of other big events that don't really require uh super juniors until probably may so this might be it for him until you know they give him a little bit of a break and bring him back for a few more events but uh yeah great opportunity for the noah guys to get in the ring with uh with some veterans and uh stretch their legs with Watto. so it, it should be a lot of fun fun fact about Watto: when he was a young lion he was hirai kowato yeah and he do you remember those uh, what were they called like golden lion like young lion cards they would do these small cards at uh shinkiba or, or shinjuku face or something mm. they were kind of exclusive new japan world like one shot hard cam shows i forget the like new japan it's like young not young lions cup but it's like young lions it was like a special do you remember i kind of remember the special but i'm drawing a blank on the card well, there were, there were a bunch of them. They would have some outside independent talent come in, like mm-hmm. younger talent. Like I remember seeing um, uh, the fellow who was always wrestling, Shota Umino, um, tall mm-hmm. guy from uh, uh, Kayantai Dojo. I'm forgetting. Ayato. Ayato. Uh, I forget his name, but it's not, it's not even the point I was trying to make. What I was going to say is that Watto was on one of these rookie shows and he was beaten by none other than Kaito Kiyomiya. Well, one of them has. They had very different a paths. Long way. <laughs> and the other but, has not quite gone as long, but. But uh, it, it, at one point, there. though, one point, like he. Uh, Watto did go to CMLL for like a year. He did. And and off. Kaito Kiyomiya went to Canada for about six months, disappeared for a bit. So my thing training. with Watto is that he, the magician thing, and he just, when he came back from excursion, he just, he struck me as Okada's kid brother that likes magic. 
and it was just a hard like it was a hard uh hard stink to shake for me personally i think this past year he has done quite a bit of work to uh to make himself stand out from what people pegged him as and what he will be in the future and i think the stock that I had on him, I'm willing to invest way more after the last six months of the work that he's put in with uh, with New Japan. And honestly, if he's anywhere half as good as Kiyomiya, he's got a bright future ahead of him anyway. <laughs> in the ring, the guy's always been very talented. I think must have been. So I don't know what if, if it's a mental thing or a confidence thing, but when he was a young lion, he was definitely, to me, was the highlight the crop of young lions he was with was you know umino great okan uh narita uemura i thought at one point he was the best out of all of them and he was kind of treated like that like he was going to be big sure sure but like you said when they brought him back and they did those promo those vignettes way to grandmaster that I mean, he's still you that thought he was going to throw a Pokemon ball out at you. I thought I was going to the Grandmaster. I was going on the way to Grandmaster. Yes. And there's no, they added the the later. Way I do, I do think that there was a weird push to try and get in on the card phase and the kids and try and like. It will always be a of, part of New Japan. It's Bushy Road. Bushy Road. But you have to. But you have to. Match the the personality up with the character. This is why Kota Ibushi as Tiger you have Mask to modernize. didn't work. Like that, that's not a modern gimmick in a lot of ways. Like you have to, you have to be, you have to be contemporary. If the word. Well, I mean, I, I, it doesn't have to and be modern. I mean, look at Great Okan. He's like a a Mongolian. But warrior there's still from... a contemporary aspect to it. He, he does like, talk about video games a lot. Yes, yes. there 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 is a contemporary aspect of it that allows you to. Look at it like, yeah, I can see how this person exists in this world in some way, shape, or form. And so that's where I'm always at. Is like, if you came across this person as a gimmick in real life, would you laugh or would you believe the gimmick? And I'm not. Oh, I quite... laughed when I saw it initially. <laughs> I really laughed. Fair I, enough. Fair it, enough. It, I think the problem is this. Whatever the idea of the gimmick is supposed to be, because I still I don't know if. It, it's magic because he's such a, a high flying, fantastic wrestler or whatever. But maybe that gimmick would have either been better if A, it was a masked gimmick, mm-hmm. or B, it was just a gimmick that was given to another one of the young lions that might fit it better, who has a different personality. I could, I could see Yo as Master Watto. Mm-hmm. There's no Kung Fu either, he doesn't do anything. He just he does he does the hand he does the hand movements. <laughs> they the DKC should have been Master Watto because he does the the DKC fire. Like a deep cut, a, a DKC cut. <laughs> hey, we'll, we'll talk about wrong. it later. But wrong. those New Japan strong guys, I think they could be or could have been. We'll get to that later. But some of those guys could be a huge boon to New Japan. I did I did like the glow up that uh, Kevin Knight got by teaming with Kushida and it appears that he is going to continue that glow up through on Impact. I'm happy those guys got to actually go to Japan after like they were ready before the pandemic mm-hmm. and uh, I I have I have thoughts on New Japan Strong. We'll save those until we Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll get that. We're going to we're going to run through the rest of these and we'll we'll go on to that. Okay, so where are we at? We are on 
This this is like the first um I guess you could maybe call it like a, a primetime match, main match, and especially because you got Okada and you got Kiyomiya. Mm-hmm. And these are the two call them the future. They're gonna be the future phases of Japanese wrestling, whether you like it or not, for the next ten years. Both of these guys. Mm-hmm. It's it's especially Okada. I mean, after Wrestle Kingdom, Okada definitely cemented himself as all right, he is Mr. Anoki 2.0. <laughs> I mean, even more so than Tanahashi, not to take anything away from his position, but it's just no. like he's like what 34, 33. He's this is it. He's he's gonna be around for a long time. And Kaito Kimi is 26. He's gonna be around for a very long time. He looked so good in his match against Kino. I I'm I'm proud of him like a a a, a like a Weird uncle. You knew he had to I, hit him. <laughs> I, I was. I, I thought I had a punchline, but I, I didn't. So, but no, I, it was great to see Kiyomiya and his and his performance in that match in particular because it was the match that he had to come through, and it looked like it was one of. The, sometimes you see the performances, uh, especially at like a WrestleMania, like you know somebody is so zoned in what they're doing at that moment like this is what they have been practicing for you see it more in like in sports like basketball like you see those games where michael jordan would just he's in a different he's on a different plane than everybody else yeah the checkers and chess kind of thing kiyomiya was there was no way you could distract him from this performance everything was like he could tell he visualized every single thing in his head his drop kicks looked fucking perfect. His, I thought he died when he was falcon arrowed onto the apron, the apron arrow, as the Japanese announcers called it. That it was like he, well, he, he's vicious, and uh, and he sold it like he was damn Ricky Morton. I, I really was like, oh, I'm I'm worried about this young fella, but I mean, it was it was a work of art. He did a great it, that, job. That was that was one of those unforgettable spots where you just look at it. And you cringe, but you can't take your eye away. And then the selling of it, just chef kiss. So it's a, yeah. It was, and I think that is one of those elements that everyone looks for. At least the Japanese fans that look for in a top-notch GHC heavyweight title match that harkens back to those classic Noah or All Japan matches where uh, Misawa and Kobashi were dropping each other on their heads off the apron. There's always that one crazy moment. There's always that one high point, and that match did have that high point, and a lot of other stuff too. But um, their match in September when Kiyomiya won the title was, I wouldn't say as, it's not exactly equal, but it's very, very, very good. And unfortunately, it was damned by faint praise because people didn't get a chance to watch it, and there was a New Japan show that week. And I remember reading The Observer, and the match of the week was, David Finley and Will Ospreay, which I'm sure which was a fantastic match, but it, but if no one could had, sleep. But if you could get more eyes on this match. It, it was, was an eyeballs match. match. I, I right. think it wasn't too, too far off from what you saw at Budokan, but thankfully people saw it, so who cares? You know, they got, and it was a better match than the September match. And both Kano and uh, Kiyomiya, it's just, I can't compare it to Ospreay and Kenny. Because that is almost like a, it's starting to transcend a little bit of what pro wrestling is. Some of the shit they did is like, I not only could I never do it, but I could barely conceive it. 
you know, I couldn't, it's hard to think about. I couldn't, that's not something, that's, my brain wouldn't go in that direction. So they're doing something that's like pushing pro wrestling in a, in a certain direction. Whereas that match that Keno and Kumia had was kind of the top of the tops, the, the top of the ceiling without going crazy and pushing things outside too far without transcending the, the art form yeah and anything about the art form was kind of supposed to be saved for muta and nakamura that night for doing non-wrestling like having a moment there were yes. lots of moments in that match what they did it, it was, was it was a very good wrestling match hmm. absent of a lot of theatricality because it wasn't really allowed to have theatricality and i would argue that it probably made the match better by just two guys fighting for a title Who's better? And the crowd was eating it up by the end. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, it, w- without any gimmick, no gimmicks, nothing necessary. It was they did a great job, and I want people to see Kumia bring this out and him and Okada. They had a great exchange last year in that Wrestle Kingdom Yokohama match with Tanahashi and Muto were involved. Mm-hmm. We saw a little taste. Kumia and Okada. This is there is a singles match down the line between these two and it's a matter of how we get there and how we get there i feel i like don't think it should year, happen for five years i don't think it should happen for three to five I, years i would i would be okay if they wanted to get this going next year's main event of this but if they wanted to wait two or three years to really like, i would eat i would the, wait. eat the stuff on this one i i wouldn't fault that at all either Kiyomiya's um, improvement has been so acute in such a short time, and he's only 26. So if you wait till he's 30, I, that you're getting 150%. Like you're getting a great freaking match. And Okada will be, he's like a fine wine. Ages with time. And so he's better good. with time too. I, uh, I really think the play here is to give Kiyomiya a victory over Makabe and kind of keep the feud going and give them kind of what's up. Well, there, that's another storyline. Actually, if you watched last year's Noah Budokan show, excuse me. No, 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 no. This uh, fast forward. There was a match this year where Makabe and Inamura were getting heavily into it. It was, I the, was curious because they seemed like a great matchup physically. For uh, so uh, I got to go back and check. I believe this was the, the um, Fukuoka show where it was a six man tag. And Muto was involved, and Makabe was involved, and here's Tanahashi. I think it was the October show. Yeah, with the well, let me do some re- I, uh, let me refresh my memory. But there was what happened in that match outside of the Tanahashi and Muto stuff. Makabe and Inamura were fighting after the bell. They were just going at it nonstop. So there was something there. So I think we might see something. Uh, maybe Kiyomiya. Tim Makabe, I don't know about that, but I could see Makabe and uh, Inamura deciding which way the match goes because there's a little bit of uh, competitive history between the two from last year. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. Good, good tight. Uh, I do. I do. I don't know if they're gonna if they're gonna prolong this. There there needs to be an advantage on Kiyomiya's side, but you can't get Kiyomiya a pinfall over Okada. So. That's my prediction based off of what masters to serve here or there. Whatever happens, though, I'm just 
I'm very interested in seeing Okada and Kiyomiya just get in the ring with each other and the energy that comes off of, of that face-to-face and that confrontation and that and those sequences that they have with each other. It'll be a, a good moment for YouTube, for sure. Yeah, at the very least. And for um, Weekly Pro Wrestling, they're going to have a lot of great shots. It's going to be all like dream match shots. Yeah, all right, I, think, so uh, let's... I think the vibes are are going to be talking about the energy on that one for a little bit. We got the big, we got the main event stuff now. Yeah. Let's get to this, uh, um, Congo LIJ kind of stuff. All right. Bushi and Tadasuke. This is cool. Tadasuke is a, a guy who's always been treated. Uh, he's a junior heavyweight, but he's to me always been a guy who I think would r- do well, uh, much better in the heavyweight division, much like Taichi. Taichi, was always classified as junior heavyweight. He was fine, but I think Taichi is hitting his stride now as a heavyweight. And I feel like Tadasuke is that kind of guy. He needs to be in the heavyweight matches. Okay. Uh, yeah. He, very charismatic. Bigger was, than Bushi. He was the guy of Congo, as I was trying to do my research, that I really, he was kind of. Kind of hard to read, kind of hard to get a vibe of, of like what he was going to be offering in this match. So I was really looking forward to, to what you were going to be telling me about it. Cause... He's pretty rock and roll. He's pretty, yeah. I, I think he's more charismatic than some of the other Congo members. He, he seems like the guy in, in Congo that would be a good fit in LIJ if you were ever good. Absolutely. You know what I mean? You know, just kind of like just has that tranquilo vibe about him. So. This would be, be an interesting like style clash. There was a scramble shuffle tag tournament last week at Corken Hall, and Tadasuke was randomly teamed up with Kaito Kiyomiya. And he and Kaito Kiyomiya, he made Kiyomiya get into the shot with him. Noah has these cameras on the sides of their turnbuckles, mm-hmm. like stationary ones. So a lot of guys like to go into the camera and kind of pose and you know, thumbs up the camera and right. he and Tadasuke and Kiyomiya, he forced Kiyomiya to kind of pose with him like, hey, we're like a cool tag team now. Hey, check it out. We got a cool look. Right? Kiyomiya was very hesitant about this, but that's kind of Tadasuke is always, he's an opportunist. He's always looking for uh, uh, good moments to increase Supreme. his value. <laughs> yeah. To kind of peacock a little bit. He was in a match uh, last year when the Great Okan showed up. Great Okan uh, was featured on one of the Pro Wrestling Noah shows with Great Muta, and he was in the match. And Muta, I remember, did uh, choke Tadasuke with cables. So I was, I would say that's a, they think very highly of him because of that. I mean, he's getting one of the singles matches in this show, so uh, clearly somebody that they have a lot of confidence in to deliver in a in a premium premium spot. Bushi, Bushi's very talented, so you better be able to keep up. So I'm glad I'm glad to hear that this guy is up to the task. Yeah. Uh, he's another one of those Kansai guys. He was from Osaka Pro. He would show up in Toriumon Dragon Gate. Okay. Run the Indies and end up in Noah later on. So he has that the fast-paced Lucha Libre plus Japanese wrestling style down pat, just like Bushi does. Just that'll, like be, that'll be that'll be that'll be fun to watch then. Yeah. Uh, I think this one is next, but I might have it mixed up with the Sonata match. So we're just gonna go with Hiromu. No, this one is next. You're right. Okay. Yeah. Hiromu Takahashi and Hajime Ohara. 
Um, O'Hara, is, uh, O'Hara is another one of the fellows who was trained at Toriumon a long time ago. He actually trained with Okada uh, okay. in New Mexico. Him, I believe, uh, what's his name from Zero One? Um, I'm blanking on his name. Sugi. Sugi from Zero One and Hajime O'Hara. They were part of the Ultimo Dragon Toriumon Dojo. Jeez. 20 years ago, 20-ish, 22 years ago or so, 23 years ago. Sometimes you say that, and I think about where I was 23 years ago, and it just makes me old and sad. <laughs> I remember getting the initial Toriumon show tapes, which are like 99, 2000 or so. I don't know if okay. you remember that, but it was when those guys were still in WCW, and it it blew my fucking mind. At the time, it looks, it doesn't look too old, it doesn't look dated now, but People don't understand that this was, they were wrestling so fast. It was such fast wrestling at the time. And it was so flashy, but it was also tight and it was perfect. The original Toriumon uh, approach, which is kind of, it's like a big part of how people wrestle today, especially younger wrestlers. It, it dictates a, it's hard wrestling with a lot of high flying. Hajime Ohara is one of, he doesn't get the, the credit for it, but he's been there since. I would say, you know, the day one of that style, when that style came to fruition in Japan and Mexico. I mean, that that meshes really well with what Hiromu Takahashi can do. So, Who's that, another that. guy who has great experience in Mexico, who is Absolutely. essentially his own style of luchador. This will be this will be a sleeper match, but it'll be very, very high octane. I, I it, it will it will be fast, it looks like. I'm I'm excited based off of what you're telling me. I'm gonna say that I'm I of I'm not going to predict all the winners of these, but I feel like it's kind of safe to say that Hiromu might possibly win this, given that he is a title holder in New Japan. And there's no real out for him to defend or do a second match with Ohara if he were to lose. So that's not how they do things, and they can revisit in the future. But this one of all the matches, I'm, I'm going to go with Hiromu on this one. And, uh, Watch me be wrong later on. <laughs> I don't know about that. Hiromu is Hiromu. Yeah, he's a, it feels like the safest of safe bets in the uh, in the Lij faction. If anybody wants to check out Hajime Ohara, I would recommend the matches he had, the junior heavyweight tag titles he recently had, the matches he had with he and Shuji Kondo of Congo facing Atsushi Kotoge and. Seiki Yoshioka. They had two matches uh, at the end of the year. You can get those on Wrestle Universe. They're very, very, the Champions Night match that they had in November is very, very, very good. Very good match. Tag team match. Check it out if you can. If you want to check out Hajime Ohara, he did a great I think job. Uh, I think I will be going back and checking that out at some point with my Wrestle Universe subscription. It's I one have. of those <laughs> matches that sometimes the junior heavyweight tag matches just don't get enough time on a card that has bigger matches on it. But this was a, a card they booked where it was five matches and all the matches were GHC title matches. And that's it. It was Cork and Hall. There's junior heavyweight tag, you know, junior heavyweight tag. You know, I love shows it. like that. And each match got like that match got a little more than 20 minutes, which it generally wouldn't have. Mm-hmm. And guys like O'Hara and Kondo, they really, uh, I was so impressed. It was really good. All right. 
So tell me a little bit more about Manabu Koya, because this boy, this beefy band of a man, mm. uh, he caught my eye when I was watching him on this other show. So what do you know about this guy? Trained by Scott Diamore. How about that? Ooh, that is a pedigree. Train, trained in, uh, he was uh, trained in Canada for a while. I got to see him quite a bit live when I was living in Japan because he wrestled in Wrestle 1, and he had a tag team with Takao Omori, uh, of Noah, all Japan fame, 1996 Royal Rumble entry. Uh, they had a uh, team called Get Wild, and they would wear bear skins to the ring. And mm-hmm. Soya looked a lot different. Soya had really long, shaggy hair, and he would wear a headband. And uh, he's he was a wild man, but he was always he always had more of I guess what you call the North American style. He's more of a, a hard hitting. You know, he's a Japanese wrestler, and he can go toe-to-toe and have great Japanese-style matches with anybody, but his style in itself is more of a big-guy brawler. He would easily fit in any, you know, impact AEW. He's the kind of guy who can wrestle an American-style match, too. And so is Sonata, because they started out together Wrestle 1, Kijimuto. There's the Kijimuto connection. This is another oh, special match. So they, they have history with each other. Yeah, and everybody... I, I hope people know that Sonata was basically scheduled to be Keiji Muto number two. He was he was the protege for a long time. He was a Seiya Sonata. We touched on it on the show, but we haven't gone into that level of... There's a funny story. Okay, so for a long time, Wrestle Wrestle 1... Okay, let me mention first that these two used to be tag team partners a long time ago. Okay. So this is their sort of revenge match after many, many years. But also the connection Sonata had to Muto, it kind of comes into play. He's at this... uh, you know, Muto goodbye show. The, they did the Wrestle Kingdom match together. The He was pro, the protege of Keiji Muto for a long time. He went to New Japan, LIJ. It was kind of a surprise for a lot of people. It was a surprise to Muto, too. And apparently, at one of the recent Japanese press, uh, New Japan press conferences, Sanada said he hadn't talked to him since they met. The first time they met after he had gone to New Japan, I guess Sanada hadn't told him. Muto is furious, and they met in a hotel room as a private meeting, and they didn't talk for one hour, and that was it. It was kind of a cold uh, breakup between protege and master. And Sanada ended up in New Japan, following New Japan route, where mm-hmm. he's where he is now. But uh, that was that was the backstory, according to Sanada, uh, at the press conference a few weeks ago. Icy and a little bit. Um, you know, maybe not too too um, friendly, and uh, of course, Soya, who is in Noah, came from Wrestle One, an employee of Keiji Muto, so he's kind of more pro Muto. So there's a, there are the dynamics between these two in the match. It's not just a, a random match between these two, but tag partners, former employees under the same boss, and Sanada was formerly the boss's favorite, and he left. That's the context that I was looking for. That's the background I needed out of this one. Because that actually, like, that adds an element of weight to all this. Where does mm-hmm. it just, like, this guy and this guy, they they are, that's their role in this stable. So they're going to meet up and face. Like, there's a, there's a real link and connection here that makes it feel like the, the wrestling mythology is being respected. Yeah, so this will be, yeah, this is up towards the top of the card and will be interesting to say the least. I'm looking forward to it. True pick'em. True pick'em to me, I'd say. 
All right. This one is interesting. This is, uh, I think, a Nakajima. lot of fan favorites. Yeah, Nakajima is a guy that just you can't take your eye off of when he's when he's in the forefront. And you already got uh, Shingo, who much the same way. And you got you got potential for a show stealer right here. So my understanding is that they've had two single matches before, in 2005 and 2012, and Takagi lost both of them. It's funny too because. It means Nakajima was very young. Nakajima is only 33 right now. So if he had a match 2005, he's. I was 17 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he he made his, his, his first appearance when he was 13. He made his first appearance in the ring. He, do you remember double J W J world Japan wrestling that Ricky Choshu had going for a little while at when, uh, a lot of those companies started splintering off. There was Zero One, and there was uh, Pro Wrestling Noah, and there was, for a short time, there was Double J, or World Japan, Ricky Choshu's company. And at this, uh, one of their shows at Korokan Hall, Katsuko Nakajima debuted 13. He did a karate demonstration. He's a karate master. And he broke boards and did lots of cool karate things. Kata and all of that uh that that good karate stuff and that was his bro, first step in the ring yes bro i just watched adam cole on aew tell me that at nine years old he knew he wanted to be a pro wrestler where the hell was he at 13 in a ring doing the work like this guy put his money where his mouth is he was already in the ring at 13 so adam well, cole you may be great but you you didn't you didn't start different context so gotta be fair <laughs> different context one it was martial arts and two Katsuhiko Nakajima was he is not the blood son, but he is the kind of surrogate son of Kensuke Sasaki and Akira Hokuto. He they they kind of raised him un- okay. officially and unofficially. And Ricky Choshu is a big part of that family, even though it's not blood related. He was uh Sasaki's you know senpai. So there is a he excuse me. <coughs> Ooh dry he has a connection to that bloodline that other outsider bloodline of stars without true homes um of course noah's his home now and when he faced takagi years ago he was a he was a boy he was a, a fresh-faced boy he go back and look at those pictures yeah he looks so young he's baby-faced and now he has i mean nakajima we see today is this is katsuhika nakajima the man he with the the perm and that hundred dollar smile. Char most charming bartender in Japan. <laughs> <laughs> He's a big dude too. He's a big he, dude. He, I... he, he looked he looked like he is just about the same size as Shingo, and he he looked smaller and like more one two three kiddish from like the 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 render right here. But no, he's. He's a guy. He's a he's a, he's a, man. He's a man, man. <laughs> he, uh, if fans were watching New Japan 2016, he was in the um, G1. He had a couple G1 matches, but it was a different version of him. You know, it's the same idea, but he's younger. He was good. He had some good match. I remember he had a match with Michael Elgin that was really good. Um, but in general, the Noah guys didn't look as good as the New Japan guys in that G1. But 2023 Katsuko Nakajima is maybe the best Katsuko Nakajima. And I'm very happy that this has been made into a match. This is a, 
absolute fan service crowd pleaser. Yes. I can't imagine anybody being disappointed with this match, no matter which way it goes. Um, Takagi is arguably the best wrestler in the world. I mean, you, I don't yeah. know if that's true, but I would, I would listen but to. But if an somebody were to it, make that argument, you'd be I like, not "I'm not going to dismiss it out of hand." I would absolutely, I would accept it, and <laughs> and some of the matches I see, it's like, how can you say that he's not? Especially when he has matches with Ichi, man, it's just that's that's what I like. That's my stuff. So having him with Nakajima is, is a treat for me. Is a treat for anybody who likes pro wrestling, honestly. It's going to be I, awesome. Be I'm very much awesome. looking forward to this. Um, I would say that given that Takagi has quite a full few weeks after this match, including defending a King of Pro Wrestling title the next night and potentially a match for the IWGP World Heavyweight title with Okada uh, a few weeks after that, I don't see him losing this match as a result of that, but stranger things have happened these two have a legacy with each other and it could be treated as kind of a one-off scenario uh in light of other things because of that so uh, it could go either way i think i know which way it's gonna go regardless i think we're all gonna enjoy how what we see on that on that route yeah keep an eye on this one and the main event this is naito versus kino this is the the main match with i think you have a story there's a lot of build to this. I mean, compared with the other things on the card and we're getting to it. I don't know how much more we'll see during this week. Um, I know Kano on his YouTube channel, Kano channel. He, he did a written like presentation of Naito's career and shows the world how much he's studying. And here's Naito. This, he did this in this age and he won the G1 this time and blah, blah, blah. He's doing a lot of condescending studying and, uh, calling Naito out constantly. He does not want New Japan, excuse me, Noah to become what he called uh, a retirement place for New Japan wrestlers. Um, he's determined to kick Naito's ass. Well, Naito stays, of course, he stays tranquilo mm-hmm. throughout all of this. And he even went to the show, like we talked about earlier on. He went to the house show and asked for Kano's autograph and he he shook he mock shook with excitement and and he said he said oh I'm shaking oh my god it's Kano <laughs> uh, very very what's the word not just condescending condescending, condescending but also uh, j- dripping with contempt yes just I he really does he, it comes off like he doesn't care much about any of these fellas. Which really should shade. give you a a giant red flag about how this is probably going to go for Naito after the fact. Because we'll see. We'll you know, he's a huge star, and you know this business is built on the bones of people trying to make a name off of the veterans that come before them. And there does seem to be a lot of that energy coming from Kino in this, where he's seen Naito and he's like, I'm not going to let this guy step over me. I'm going to step over him. And as Naito continues to only give him enough oxygen in the room to breathe and not, uh, and not do anything more. He, Kino's getting more and more frustrated and it's playing right into Naito's hands. But once they get into the ring, whatever the mind games are, I think are going to go right out the window. And we're going to get uh, a very intense match between these two. I, I think Naito is 
probably pretty motivated to uh, deliver when he's in a main event still. This is still a Wrestle Kingdom event. It is a pay-per-view, and even though he did not get maybe the stature of what he needed, what he should have gotten in the traditional Tokyo Dome one night Wrestle Kingdom this year, you know, when the dust clears and you see that he's got this match and that was kind of what was uh, penciled in from the get-go, it's hard to to be upset about what Naito's kind of destination and journey was ending 2022 going into 2023. Naito, especially over the past few years, he's Mr. Main Event to me. He, no matter what, when he's put in a main event, it doesn't matter how many reports there are about his neck is broken in five ways and shoulders, you know, coming out of his other shoulder and has kicked his leg out of his leg and all that business. He always delivers in the main event. He delivered that match he had with Osprey. I think it was, it was like the first one of the bigger shows, uh, the first bigger show in Japan this year in Osaka, like fall. He had a, he had a G1 match with Osprey and Naito had their first match ever at the G1. And then they followed it up with, I believe at, battle on him at the beginning of November. that one the second one i yes. saw i saw it on accident i mean he's just that's he delivers he knows somehow how to deliver in the main event he, he pulls everything out he knows but, the assignment when he's in the main event <laughs> i mean his best matches if you really think about it they're all main event matches mm-hmm. all his his best matches were, are the ones when he's in the main event with okada or kenny or tanahashi or like he's a big match guy but also Kano is too, I think. I think if you watch last year, Kano's best matches were his big matches. Um, and he delivers. He doesn't. He There were some matches, if, if the chemistry's off, like there was a match last year with him and Daisuke Sasaki at DDT at the Cyber Fight Festival. And there were ladders and lots of... It wasn't your usual match. And there are a lot more variables involved. So it's easy to have not as smooth of a match. But him versus Hideki Suzuki, 30-minute draw during the N1 this year. The matches he had with Kaito Kiyomiya, all of them are great. Last year, he and Katsuhiko Nakajima had, I think they went, they went to an hour. And there was no like uh, letting up. These guys were just having a basically a hybrid, like a pancreas match for an hour. Um, he's another kind of big match wrestler, but he's not the same style big match wrestler. He's a, he's a martial artist. At first, where Tetsu Naito is more of a luchador, a sendayo. Yeah. So, what I think we can expect is that both of these guys have big match energy. Mm-hmm. They're going to bring the big match energy. Yeah, I'm not even. I'm not even worried about that. No, this if they'll make it feel like a main event. Yes, and they're both good at. Um, they'll really. This is going to be Naito's like home crowd, so he'll be great at riling everybody up and i hope kano pisses everybody off so that would be ideal i will ah, i would love it of course <laughs> as a representative no i have to say officially i would love that he's got he's got to be his true authentic self he always is <laughs> he always seems to be he's always on we are we are moving on from our wrestle kingdom to 17 to coverage in yokohama and we are going to talk about something that is near and dear to both of our hearts before we wrap this show up the ending slash rebooting slash we're not quite sure what's happening with New Japan Strong, but we have both been faithful followers of it. We've watched New Japan shows sat side by side together in real life, watched New Japan live events in San Jose together. So he and I, Justin, are uniquely qualified to talk about 
what worked, what didn't, what we hope to see if New Japan Strong comes back in the future. Uh, Justin, you are the Wrestling Observer Newsletter official correspondent and do all the TV reports for New Japan Strong. How long have you been doing that? I have written every single report on every single episode since its birth. Oh, so you're not qualified to talk about this at all. I think I'm more qualified <laughs> than the wrestlers. I think I've seen more shows than they have. Definitely some of them. Um, but it's okay because, well, all right, I'll tell you how I got started because this wasn't officially like a, supposed to be a show. I thought this was going to be a four-week special. So Josh Nason emailed me. It was around the pandemic time. It was like summer. And before that, I was covering Ring of Honor because uh, they were doing a lot of pay-per-views. I didn't do a TV. I did, they had their uh, they had like house show kind of things on pay-per-view and stuff like that. So I was covering that and things shut down and everything changed. And then in July, New Japan said, we're going to do four episodes of this show at a, somewhere in uh, California. And down like it, Oceanside. Something like that. It was just, it was a brief taping and it really felt like, okay, let's, because the young, the three main young lions that were there, we got Carl Fredericks, Clark Connors, and Alex Coughlin. They were like ready to go. It was really, because they had just went to Japan the year before. I think Gabriel Kidd went as well. Mm-hmm. Looked great. Like d- these guys were pretty much, you could say they were ready to start being, you know, sent out, given gimmicks. Pandemic screwed everything up. So I thought, to me, New Japan Strong seemed like a great vehicle for these new guys because they can't go to Japan because nobody can go to Japan right now. And that's what I thought it was going to be, just maybe like a short summer, like we're going to do some shows. We're going to highlight these <laughs> young lions, build them up. And it, what it turned into was it it turned into like a small like West Coast territory. Com- like it's a West Coast indie almost to me because of how regularly they run and the type of talent they use, they use a lot of good local LA and now up to like Pacific Northwest, like West coast talent. So it went from being what I thought was a nice showcase show for those, uh, that those famed three young lions together to more of a West coast outlet for new Japan to show their stuff to work with AEW and Impact and a, like a nice apolitical platform and and share talent. Get, uh, and also recently, I thought it's been really cool that they've been bringing in guys from CMLL. They've mm, had, I, mm-hmm. I got to see Negro Casas there. I got to see they had uh, uh, Atlantis Junior was there. Veras uh, was Volador there. No, 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 no. I, I, I was thinking like uh, I'm trying to think of names that was like just flashing in my head as I was watching their show for the last couple months. Muscar Dorado is a, a yes. regular there. Um, so there's always like an eclectic mix of talent it, as a show. It's no matter what. And from the beginning to the end, I can't say there's ever been like, uh, like, wow, this episode sucks. Not even close. Can't say that. Like I, I, you watch an episode of Raw, you watch an episode of uh, whatever. Sorry, right? But sometimes it just sucks. What can I say? And it's long too. And thankfully, these episodes of New Japan Strong they keep people interested because they're an hour. I think there were like an five hour episodes less. throughout the entire time that ever went over an hour. You know what's funny is you brought up San Jose that night was special because we watched Full Gear that night, which was extra yep. long. Yep, and we. Well, we watched it in two pieces because we went to the New Japan the show first in San Jose. Half. 
We stopped. And then we watched the second half. And then I went back to Garrett's and then I did the New Japan Strong from Philadelphia report because it was Saturday. And that was one of the only episodes that was close to two hours. <laughs> that was one of the extended episodes. Of course, of they did all that the times. You. Yeah, you said like the only five times they've ever done it. It was the one night where I had to watch like 17 hours of wrestling, but I got it in. It was late, but it was all good. Uh, it was where yeah. um, it was where it was interesting because it was when filthy. It was the first time he cut Fred Rosser's hair and ate some of it. Oh, that that New Japan Strong episode. Yes, uh, the first time he did it in Philly. The uh, I remember that night as being you and I had a conversation about heels wearing white, white boots, the white boots white theory, boots. and then there was that was the last time that Jay White lost a singles match stateside, and it was the last time Jay White lost a singles match at he all. He lost it to Ishii, huh? He lost remember- to Ishii the never open weight title. Yeah. I remember that that was a good match, but I feel I, I remember feeling so worn out that maybe I didn't enjoy it as much as we were all pretty tired because we had already like we were six hours in on wrestling when everyone else was four hours in and we knew we had more going. So it was just kind of like yeah. we just we weren't able to appreciate it, but we were also really just having a good time on that show. Mm-hmm. That it also I think that was uh, Buddy Murphy and Okada. That was right. It was Buddy Murphy's New Japan debut. debut. So we we, that we was fell the off night. the strong talk, but it, it, was, uh, yeah, it nope. was like the nope. thing about strong, strong characters. The, yeah, the thing about strong is that they were able to create stars that weren't going to have an opportunity otherwise. Mm. So you had guys like Filthy Tom and Fred Rosser who were able to take the ball and roll with it or run with it uh, because they. They weren't within the Young Lion system, and I think that might have been one of the biggest drawbacks of that show is that they weren't able to get all the Young Lions where they needed to go. You know, you got Carl Frederick now with supposedly an NXT. Uh, that looks like the, the next place for him. But they could have done better in getting those guys to the next level. But given the fact that it was a pandemic, the fact that this was developed during a pandemic to be a pandemic-based show, and now that we are no longer as much in a pandemic, this is an opportunity to retool the show if they're going to retool it. We've heard a number of different things based off of the Hiroshi Tanahashi tweet and the Obari uh, tweet about Strong that gives an indication that it's going away, but not forever. So we talked privately beforehand about some theories about how they could bring it back and what they could do to be different. You mentioned uh, more women's matches on the show. So do you want to expound on, on your thoughts on that? That's kind of what I was uh, thinking when they initially, when I heard about this was I figured that, you know, they had this IWGP title, women's title, and it's generally seems like it's going to be this thing that's supposed to be defended overseas. It's not going to be a, a, as regular part of the stardom program that they had because they have the other belts, they had the red belt and mm-hmm. the white belt. So this might be a Bushy Road type uh, situation where you can have the belt defended over in the States and it could be on a new show where new japan stardom centric stardom adjacent wrestlers are featured but it's not a stardom show it's a new japan bushy road production i think this might maybe we'll see a little more sasha banks because she's not technically a stardom wrestler she's under bushy road new japan Mm -hmm. contract because stardom hasn't had the money to pay somebody like sasha banks so 
now if she was Sasha Banks, like she's going to be wrestling in San Jose soon, like next month, probably for for that title. So mm-hmm. maybe that is that going to be on a New Japan Strong? Are they going to save matches for that just for specials alone? I don't know. It's all speculation now, but I felt like they were going to restructure the show to incorporate more of the women's matches, either mm-hmm. New Japan Bushi Road sponsored, Stardom adjacent. We'll see. Or, but I mean, what people should I think can grab a lot from from the New Japan Strong Show was a great showcase of not just like the hot young talent because there's a lot of flavors of the month, right? Mm-hmm. Here, there are a lot of solid guys who I saw wrestle week after week after week and improve and improve in slow, honest increments. Guys like Barrett Brown, the DKC, Danny Limelight, Roy Eichek, and Jorel Nelson, for yeah. example. Like H- having regular opponents, I think one of the things about getting better at wrestling seems to be like you. The main thing you need to do is just do it as much as possible in front of people in a real setting. And during that time, it was hard to do that because the world was on pause. And I thought New Japan Strong gave a lot of guys chances to just show what they got or gave other guys like somebody like Bateman, who I know has been around for a while. I really got to see him like in matches that wasn't just five minutes or 10 minutes or wasn't a tag. I got to see the craft. I got to see guys like Matt Raywalt wrestle in and out. Like when else would I be able to watch that? If you're not watching everything, you let me ask I mean? you this. Let hmm. me ask you this. Do you think we'll ever see stray dog army and new Japan proper? That's a good question. I don't know. Um, there are a couple, so they set it up in new Japan. They have their own, they have the, the Team Filthy. Mm-hmm. They got TMDK, which is mm-hmm. kind of going through change. And they got uh, Stray Dog Straight Army. Army. They had the New Japan Young Lion Dojo the Stable people. group of guys. Yeah. United Empire. Yes. So that's generally it. kind of the same. Stray Dog Army? I don't know. Um, would it be cool? Yeah, absolutely. Especially for a tour, like a coming up, like, you mentioned like, the best of the Super Juniors tour is usually in springtime. It's always good to bring over some extra non-juniors talent. Like I remember one year they brought over Brody King because because right. like, Marty Skrull was in it, but they had his old crew, so they did some cool tag matches. Might be some opportunities for any of those guys to, to go over, but um, I like seeing those guys on other shows around the States as well. I don't know what will happen with them, and I don't know what uh, the deal is with the strong um wrestlers unless they're part of the new japan dojo already i think we'll see those dojo people in new japan proper before outsiders but again i don't know i'm just speculating is there a scenario to you that you would be open to a joint production between aew or ring of honor and new japan in which they do some type of show with shared talent between two or three of those promotions. Yeah. I think sharing talent, it's like, I think it's a huge part of keeping wrestling fresh without having crazy dogmatic rules about not appearing on certain broadcasts. Um, For young talent, there need to be as many options out there as possible. That will be how you kind of even out the economy or landscape. So yeah, of course, if there's always... People need to look for win-wins in wrestling and not win-lose. Because win-lose, 
it'll take you to a point where you can't really move from there. Okay, so if you were to make that show accessible, where would you make it accessible to watch? Would you make it accessible on Honor Club, New Japan World, and Fight to Purchase? Would you put do it only on New Japan World and Honor Club, only Honor Club, or only New Japan World? The only way to avoid politics is if you put it on a, a neutral platform like Fight, okay. because whichever platform you put it on, that's going to get a lot of money, and if... Well, not a lot of money, but I'm just saying that's going to get where the money and revenue from the show is going to come from. Part of it's going to come from the stream. Where is that money going to go? Does the majority go to company X, company Y? Like, where? How do you divide the money? That's that depends on, or that that would be the what makes it depend on the result. Yeah. So I was thinking if they're both approximately ten dollars for a monthly service. And it was just a matter of what preference of what service the person wanted to use. There's entirely going to be people that are going to be double dipping and getting both and probably don't want to have both services if they're getting, you know, with the overlap. So I'm trying to figure out what the most feasible way going forward, if they were to operate on their own, if they were to operate in cooperation with other promotions, what's best for New Japan? Like I, AEW or Ring of Honor, in this conversation, me personally inconsequential. It really comes down to what is the best scenario for New Japan to promote to propose a new version of Strong that best serves their interest as a company. That has to be a New Japan Strong, yeah. uh, New Japan World. Yeah. So that's why I'm just like I'm not super into the idea of a joint show if it can't be on New Japan World because I don't see the benefit of that inherently or intrinsically for New Japan. But I'm also not totally an expert for how the TV and production... And but then it's suddenly it's not special. You know, if it's there's a working... If there's a working deal between the two companies, then it's not special when somebody comes over. It's like, I oh, agree. well, they have a deal. So I agree. It's but like... It's, you have Omega as the one guy from AEW going over to New Japan makes it far more uh, yes. valuable of like uh, a give and take if and then sending ten guys in the mid card and telling you this is important. Yeah, I would reverse. I would cho- I would choose a select a, a limited amount of people to be your wild card players who can travel to different promotions without any consequences like. Like Kenny, okay, Kenny especially, maybe he can go to the New Japan show and he can go to AEW and Impact, and it's fresh because it's it's Kenny. He's big enough, and right. if it's just him doing it with Don Callis, you know, it's that's cool. But if you know half the roster is just labeled with a, a new TV title name, nobody ever buys that shit. Yeah, EC, WWE, ECW, it's like. How could anybody? It looked like WWE. It's why are you calling it something different? It's the same, you know. It's like uh, it's called. It, you can't take a Big Mac and put a different name on it. Like, hey, it's a Whopper. Put a oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you can't put a Whopper. Oh, same. Yeah, it's different. So <laughs> I, I think that's a part of it. I think, yeah, yeah. Why well, not? Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, I hope that we'll see Strong back. I think that the next few months are going to be pretty interesting for New Japan as a whole. Uh, Justin, I, I'm super thankful that you were able to come in and uh, be my co-host for the show tonight. Do you 
Go ahead and plug whatever socials, anything that you got, uh, whatever thing that you want to pimp. Just Write do that down. Thing. Write that down. It comes out on Thursdays, and you can download it on any of the free uh, podcast platforms, wherever you listen to your podcasts, Spotify, uh, Downcast, uh, Google Play, and, uh, Apple, all those. We're on that. Fumi Saito and I were talking wrestling history usually, and sometimes, like we talked about earlier, talked about some modern stuff, but generally talking history profiles. We did have a profile on Johnny Powers last week. It was pretty cool, so check that out. Um, on Twitter, I'm at Justin M. Nipper, K-N-I-P-P-E-R. As it says right below, that little, let me see, yeah, th- this guy. Um, yep, that's my name, Twitter. Uh, Pro Wrestling Noah, January 22nd, we got the big show, Bye Bye Muta. His, it will be the final appearance of Great Muta on this weekend. And he is teaming with, it's such a wild matchup. It's him and Darby Allen and Sting versus Hakushi and Akira or Akira Nogami from New Japan a long time ago. And Narumichi Marafuji, the genius of the arc. That'll be the main event. Champions Night, a lot of the guys we talked about uh, today. Kaito Kimiya, Kojima, Sugira. All the cha- Dr. Wagner Jr., Del Dr. Wagner Jr., all the champions in Noah versus Congo, Ultimate Dragon will be there. Um, geez, it's going to be a fun show. There's going to be a women's match, actually, too. I don't know if you heard about that. Jungle no. Kiona will be on the show. Jungle, okay. Kiona, Jungle Kiona and Saori Anno will take on, uh, oh gosh, I for, uh, Sumire Natsume and uh, Yuhiki, Maya Yuhiki, I believe, from Ice Ribbon. I have to double check on that. But yeah, Noah's having some women's matches these days too. So check those out. That'll be fun. Okay, so you can find all these shows on Wrestle Universe. Yeah, all those shows will be on Wrestle Universe. Uh the actually the Muta show will also be available on Fight TV. It's 20 bucks. But uh is it pay-per-view on Wrestle Universe? So if you pay the ten dollars for Wrestle Universe, do you get to watch it for ten bucks on Wrestle Universe? No, I don't know if they're offering that one as a pay-per-view. Okay. But for, uh, that, that's actually going to happen next month for the Muto final at Tokyo Dome. That will be a pay-per-view. Okay, so the 122 show you can watch on Wrestle Universe. I just double-checked. Yes. It is a live stream. So it's a live stream Darby, in English. Sting, in English. It's cheaper on Wrestle Universe, but it's a, it's a month subscription, but there's lots of cool stuff on that. So I, would I, that anyway. I would tell you all I bought a month subscription, and it's worth it. It's worth it. You listen if you have multiple promotions that you get to watch on this thing. It's Noah, it's DDT, it's what else? Tokyo Joshi. Tokyo Joshi. So if you're a Maki Ito, Riho fan, Hikarshida, all of that, their matches and their matches from AEW are often on there too. You sometimes might have to watch with a VPN if you're overseas, but they're all available. Um, Guys like Konosuke Takeshita, he's traveling a lot over in the States. There's matches of his from like Defy. They're on there available to watch. Um, Gambare Pro, there's Zero One on there. There's uh, They're uploading more and more old Noah, like uh, from like the initial shows. If you want to see mm-hmm. Misawa, Kobashi, Akiyama, Tawe, all those uh, very important legendary matches. And there'll be lots and lots of cool stuff coming up soon on. Wrestle Universe. So yeah, Wrestle Universe. Wrestle-Universe.com. Wrestle hyphen universe. That's right. Um, I think that's uh, I think that's all I got, Jeremy. Awesome. So thank you for having thank, me on. Thank you. You can find me at Jer Feinstone. Uh, I am plugging away at Fight Game Media, putting up videos, putting up content. 
just uh, trying to put the good word out there about the the great sport, combat sport of pro wrestling. Uh, please come back, give us feedback. Thank you. We will have Stephen Conway back from Parks Unknown. I actually know where he's at, but it's not my job to tell you. Uh, other than it's that, Death Valley, everybody. <laughs> there's Reason a lot of water Valley. where he's at, not Death Valley, unless okay. it's raining. It could be. I'm not sure. It's, it's raining, raining here, here in L.A. like crazy. It, it's raining here in San Jose like yeah, crazy. So, we're, getting, uh, we're getting dumped on this week. So it could be wet where he's at. Still doesn't give you any indication where he's at. But he'll be back next week. And we'll be talking about Wrestling Universe. And going through the King of Pro Wrestling match. And the other matches that we got coming up next week. And for myself, Jeremy Finestone and Jester Nipper. This is Speaking of Strong Style. We will see you when we see you. Peace out. Woohoo!